Inquisition, what a show! The Inquisition, here we go! We know you're wishing, and we go away! So come on, you Muslims and you Jews! We got a big news for all of you! Welcome to episode four of Opening Weekend, the movie podcast that travels back in time to revisit opening weekends of the past and revel in that other great American pastime, going to the movies with our friends. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening Weekend. Read it R. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week, we travel back in time to June 12th, 1981. Major League Baseball went on a strike at midnight that lasted for 50 days. President Reagan was riding high after recuperating from David Hinckley's assassination attempt three months earlier. Natalie Portman was just a few days old. And Pink Floyd was less than a week away from performing their final concert together for nearly 25 years. As for the box office, America was looking forward to long-awaited sequels from Superman, James Bond, and The Muppets. But June 12th would see the year's biggest hit released, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas's Raiders of the Lost Ark, as well as the Ray Harryhausen epic Clash of the Titans and Mel Brooks's History of the World Part 1. Fred and Dan, where were you little whippersnappers in June of 1981? I was in movie goddamn heaven. <laughs> I love all three of these movies. 1981, my God, I was nine years old. I was finishing up third grade. I was hanging out at Munsey Park Elementary School, lying about seeing some of these movies. Hmm. We'll, get, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, I was... Uh, th- this was this was an important year for me, I think, in, in movie going uh history or mm-hmm. whatnot in my because this was like we discussed in the first episode 1980 empire strikes back came back this was like the beginning of when i really started to become very very interested deeply in movies and how they were made and i was i was becoming the movie guy at school <laughs> uh even oh. though again we're gonna get to this i might have fabricated some of that but um it was yeah it was <laughs> Third end of third grade, going into fourth, ready to rock the summer out with some uh, <laughs> with some hot movie magic. Oh God, Dan! Yeah. How about you? Were you in? Does it? Were you in second grade at this point, Dan? I was uh, seven, going on eight, right? Seven, yeah. going on eight. So what that means is I have no memory and no recollection of who I was, what I was doing, where I was. I was clearly in uh, Island, New Jersey, where I grew up. Um and uh, you're still breastfeeding, to- weren't you? <laughs> he's still breastfeeding now. Yeah, I believe. it's never stopped. Yeah, uh, the uh, that's why he's got such clear skin, right? And where <laughs> this hair comes from, for some reason, um, the uh, the hair the, is not great. 
podcast <laughs> listeners. <laughs> well, I was going to get into that because, through, you know, through COVID, the hair has just been growing and growing and growing. And my seven-year-old hair was basically the same as this. So I'm really, I think it's part, I think it's like subconsciously the the podcast is somehow getting into my whole psyche and it's affecting like how I'm doing my hair because I am, this is my seven-year-old, this is my hair of the past. It so has come as, as, back. So as, as a seven-year-old, you look like Gabe Kaplan? <laughs> well, that- and with the mustache. I already have the full mustache. <laughs> I think I think we have to try to figure out a way to get Gabe Kaplan into every episode. Now, I think this is two out of four, if not three out of four, where the good Mr. Kaplan has been I was a name fan checked. Of, I was a fan of the wife on the Welcome Back Car. She was lovely. She was beautiful. Oh, she was fantastic. She was lovely. Yeah. She was lovely. Um, the, uh, she the, was no Juan Epstein, but she was very good. Who was? I met Horshack one time. I did meet of him. Of course you did. Right. I met him one time. He's very nice. But the um, I just like name-dropping people. Last week, Jonathan <laughs> Banks. This week, Horshack. Who will be next that I've met and encountered and worked with in my storied career? You remember when I did stand-up with Screech with Dustin Diamond, and he was... His manager was so upset because on the on the order backstage on the oh on the God. the order of the uh, uh, the lineup for the evening it said screech in all caps <gasps> with multiple oh. e's like so I had different people's names Jason O'Connell blah 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 whoever's name and then it said my number four screech oh. well you also did stand up with Gabe Kaplan. Oh my. Oh my I saw God, you at Caroline's right. and oh, Gabe right. Kaplan open for you. <laughs> oh, I thought you were joking. Are you serious? No, that's no. right. That's I right. saw Gabe Kaplan live because of you, Jason O'Connell. It was I one of the greatest totally nights of my life. I forgot that. That's right. Yep. What? He was amazing. Yeah. Well, there you what go. What was that like? Did you get to and, meet and Gabe I, Kaplan? And I believe Susie Essman hosted that yes, evening. Yes, She would have. Susie Essman, Gabe Kaplan, and Jason O'Connell. Well... One where, night. Where are they now? <laughs> now that's a triple bill. I want to see. Did you get to meet Gabe? What was he like? Yeah, he, he was very quiet. He was very nice. Very. Did he very try nice to engage you in a very... poker game? Because that's all he does now. I think is play poker. <laughs> is that true? That's he's on every po- every time he put, throw show, put on a poker show at three in the morning. If you're, if you're me, every every and time you, you put on I a just, poker show at three in the morning, that uh, that is rarefied air. Gabe Kaplan was. We're going so way off the subject now, but I this, love see this. what happens. You I know, love but this, this may no, no, no. This may very well have been 1981 because Gabe Kaplan, I remember, was the head of his team on Battle of the Network Stars. Oh, yes, he was the captain of the team, uh, and I remember him. Uh, uh, cheering on Linda Carter in the oh uh, the swimming competition. I wonder was that 1981? Because that, that that'll bring it all back. We'll have to. We'll you have know to, what? Let's just say let's it just was. Say it was. Say I'm not even going to look it up. Yeah. No. So I was in fourth grade. I was. You know, this is for for a guy who's so into movies. This was right before I started getting kind of serious about it because I did not see any of these movies in the theater that summer. Oh. I didn't see any of them. I saw... Same. I saw Superman 2 like four times, but I mm. did not see any of these others. And I Same. saw... I think I saw Great Muppet Caper and something. I mean, I saw other movies, but I wasn't really tapped in. And uh, and I remember like my father 
my father wanted to take me to see Raiders. He was like, you will love it. You will love it. And I think mm. I thought it was going to be too a little too scary for me. And I just kept, mm-hmm. I kept going back to the thing I knew. But I was a little like, yeah. and then I'll t- I have a story. It's not directly related to one of these movies, but it is kind of the point at which I said, all right, enough's enough. The following year was uh, E.T. came out in 82. Mm-hmm. And... And again, I was always like just a step behind on these things. And uh, I can remember my mother taking me and my sister to go see Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. The, <laughs> oh, the yeah, Steve, Steve Martin, Martin movie. Yep. I saw that white. movie. We're walking out of the theater. We're leaving the, the theater. And somebody says, you're not staying? And there's a long line. And I'm like, for what? They're like, E.T. You, you, it's a double feature. This is the sneak preview of E.T. It was like a month before E.T. came out. Hmm. I hadn't heard. I didn't know what it was. Didn't care. You know, my my mother, she was like, no, we, we just saw a movie. We're going home. Thank you. And everybody's like, you can see it for free. It's the new Steven Spielberg movie. I was like, Steven, who now? And I walked out. Oh, my God. And then, you know, two weeks later, the movie comes out. My only kid who hasn't seen it. Living to regret it every day. Kids on the playground talking about it. And, yeah. And I was like, and I had, I remember the moment where I was like, you just gotta pull it together, man, and just start. <laughs> know know what's coming out. Know what's worth seeing. Fucking go. If somebody well, somebody sticks the ticket in your hand and you're like, no thanks. I've already seen Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid this evening. And how what was else? it? How was that Be- movie? Between that Delightful. and Under the Rainbow, I mean, what else do I need to see? <laughs> Under <Yeah>. the Rainbow. <laughs> oh no, that wasn't Steve Martin. That was Chevy Chase. Uh, similar conceit. Similar. Yeah. Um, See now the thing, the, the difference was box office and, failures. And, yeah. <laughs> That's all I went to. I at this at this time, and again, I don't want to jump. I'm not sure when to tell the story, but this is this is. Let me just say this is going to be a very cathartic episode Great. for me. This is about, because this one's about you, I think. Well, I don't know if it's about me, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna open myself up here. If there are people <laughs> from my past listening, uh, I apologize in advance. They may they oh. may be hurt. They may think, "Oh my God, I thought I knew Fred Berman," and I, you know what? It was all it was a lie because at this time, as I said, I was known, um, and I don't know how I got this moniker. I probably it probably you know maybe because I was so into Star Wars at the time and Empire, but I was sort of known as the movie guy. So <laughs> when movies came out. People would rush to me and be like, oh, my God, did you see they, you know, it was expected that I would have seen these big movies. Um, and and well, like I said, I can maybe we'll get to the stories later. Yeah, you, but these three movies are all tied together in an, in, an elaborate lie that I oh created uh, where I basically said that I saw two of the movies when I did not. I did <gasps> see them this summer, but I did not see them when I said I saw them. Oh, you're a little and fucking I, liar. <laughs> <laughs> And I created this. I created fake plots, and we'll get there. And and I was caught. And yeah, it's good stuff. Can't wait. Can't wait to hear about that. Well, let's uh, let's jump on in, right? Let us begin with Clash of the Titans. Provide him with suitable weapons, weapons of divine temper: a helmet, a shield, a sword. Find and fulfill your destiny. The myth. The magic. The mystery. The majesty. Destroy Argos! Let loose the last of the Titans. Metro Goldwyn Mayer presents. 
clash of the titans. Perseus, played by Harry Hamlin, son of the Greek god Zeus, played by Laurence Olivier, grows up on a deserted island. His destiny is to marry Princess Andromeda, played by Judy Bowker, who will someday rule the city of Joppa. However, the satyr Calabos, played by Neil McCarthy, uses a giant vulture to kidnap Andromeda's soul every night, and as long as Calabos is alive, no one can marry the princess. Perseus travels to Joppa, where he must defeat Calabos and rescue Andromeda. Through old-school practical effects and stop-motion animation, visual effects master Ray Harryhausen brings a host of mythological creatures to life, including Medusa, the Kraken, and Burgess Meredith. The movie, <laughs> the movie made $6.5 million on its opening weekend, grossing $41 million in North America and $60 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what did you think of Clash of the Titans? <laughs> oh, my Kraken wants to be released just thinking about <laughs> well, it. You're I, the only one who saw it in the theater that summer, right? I saw it right? in the theaters, yes. I loved it. I saw it a couple weeks after it came out. Uh, I'll, I'm going to make my first admission right now about my first elaborate lie before I get into my thoughts. I will say I loved it. I rewatched it. I still loved it. Again, I don't know if that's the, the nostalgia mm. bubbling up at this movie was had like a huge impact on me. Mm. Um, however, when it first came out, I did not see it the opening weekend, but I told all my friends I did. (laughs) And uh, this was coming from, this is all going to be tied into History of the World Part 1 and some of the Mel Brooks humor. But uh, there was one point where people had heard about it and they said, oh my God, Fred, what about um, with with, uh, Pegasus, the flying horse? Doesn't Medusa capture Pegasus or someone captures (laughs) Pegasus? And this is what people would come to me and say these things. And I'd go, oh, oh, that was the best part. That was the best part. (laughs) And then I proceeded to make up a story. I said, oh, it was great. Because what happens is (laughs) Medusa is really ugly, right? But Pegasus is flying. But, like, she lifts up her skirt. And she's got a really sexy leg. And Pegasus is like, wow, wow, wow. And Pegasus (laughs) is like, so horny for Medusa. (laughs) The horse. And that's how he captures it. Now, cut to a week later. Oh my my, God. I'm, in, I'm in third grade waiting to go to the bathroom in Mrs. Tall's class on the line and John Kaiserman comes up to me and says, hey Fred, I saw Clash of the Titans. Chris Marin, who is next to me, who used to love that story about Medusa lifting her leg, goes, oh Fred, huh? wah, 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 and does like the lifting his leg thing and I quickly, and I saw I was like, oh, "Fuck, I'm caught, I'm caught," and I quickly went, "Oh no, 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 no! That was from Wrath of the Titans. That was on. That was a made-for-TV movie." <laughs> and I got out of it. That being said, you dirty wait, liar. Wait. Yeah, so your liar. friend didn't know the story of that you had made up. The friend who just saw the movie. Had no, not I think heard. he did. I, I think he did, and he was. I think he was. That he friend's was an idiot. To, I'm sorry. He was trying to pin me against the wall with that, and then I got out of it. Oh, I see. That being I see. said. Uh, right after that happened, I rushed out and I did see it. Um, <laughs> I saw it with my sister and our babysitter uh, took us, and and I loved it. I remember my sister was very upset because there were uh, boobies in it. There's naked women. Um, That's and right. Was, I was shocked when I saw that. Because yeah, again, she, it's like she, a PG kids movie. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I I I don't know what it was. I don't remember being into mythology at the time but that movie really got me into it mm. um and and i loved the harryhausen stuff that that made me want to do stop motion mm-hmm. um mm. and it just that it like became sort of my 
my movie. I became sort of obsessed with it at that time. Um, and upon rewatching it, I quite enjoyed it again. Now, it wasn't, I mean, it didn't supplant Star Wars and Empire for you, or did it? Or no. It was just more no, no, no. like the thing of the moment for you. I just that was liked a big the moment. Yeah. Truly, Raiders <clears throat> did. We'll get to that. But Raiders uh-huh. was, I mean, in, in thinking about these three movies, if I had to choose a favorite movie of all time yeah. it might be Raiders um, but oh. you know but, uh, yeah we'll get to it I, I, it's yeah. never been that high up for me but the rewatch of Raiders was so uh, we'll get to it but it, it's yeah. so good it holds up so well but um, but yeah I liked I mean look in rewatching Clash of the Titans and I watched it with uh, with my kids what'd you kids think of that the, the claymation the Harryhausen stuff you know what they <clears throat> They enjoyed it. I mean, they were like, wow, this is really bad. But they understood what it was. They, you know, because they're so used to CGI and everything. Yeah. So they understood what it was. And they had seen, I'd shown them the original King Kong years ago. Um, so they know. And that was the thing. I, I was like, just keep this in mind. Like this for what it was. And even then when Clash of the Titans came out, it wasn't really the top it, it, of the line technology. The, yeah, exactly. It wasn't cutting edge That's at all. That's what I was going to ask is seeing Clash of the Titans or remembering having seen it in a post-Star Wars uh, world, you know, where where things were so rapidly changing with, yeah. with, uh, with practical effects. This is yeah. all before CGI, although there are some computer effects at this time, not many, um, but uh, in movies like Tron and things like that. But oh, yeah. uh, you know the the having seen it, do you guys remember at the time going, "Oh, these are cheap effects," or or did you yes. go, "Oh, these are cool effects"? Like which no, where, which no, no, side no. of the fence even, were you on? Even at the time, I thought I remember especially um, especially with the Calibos, you know, where you'd see the real actor and then you'd mm-hmm, see yeah. him with the tail, the, and even the back then, mm-hmm. I remember thinking like, "Oh, that that doesn't look good." But for some reason, I don't know what it was. I wanted. I really wanted to like it. So I was like, you know what? This is what it is. You accepted um, it, it, it. I accepted yeah. it. Yeah. I, I, feel the, I feel exactly the same way. It really, mm. it, it did, it does feel much more, the effects feel much more akin to, like you said, Fred, the original King Kong, which is something yeah. from 30, 40 years earlier. But that, and I was thinking about it as I was watching it, I thought, you, you, you put the movies together from that summer, like the big special effects movies, and the worlds of difference between if, if like Raiders of the Lost Ark is at the the top of the heap, and then it's like yeah, Superman Two is somewhere down below it, like amazing effects, but also some <laughs> some shoddy ones here and there, and the the green screen stuff, and then Clash of the Titans, which again, incredibly, the artistry Ray Harryhausen's yes. artistry is so impressive, but mm-hmm. in terms of the a convincing effect or something that really you're like wow how did they do that well you know how they i mean you're looking at it and you're like that looks like how they did king kong and i know what that (laughs) is too you know i'm not i I wasn't born yesterday so but i i think it is the thing that's sweet about that's a weird word to use for clash of the titans i think is that it almost feels like a big last hurrah in a way for for his That's the impression I get because I don't know if he did anything after and it's this. so and it's wall to wall him and all the yeah. best stuff in the movie 
the coolest stuff is his work. And it's a testament to him that whenever you talk about this movie, the first name, if it's not an actor's name, the name that comes out is Ray Harryhausen. I did not know. I I had no idea. I was watching the movie. It said, uh, directed by Desmond Davis. I was like, I've never heard of Desmond Davis. I'd never heard the name. I'd never heard it Mm -hmm. in association with even reading about or hearing about this movie. (laughs) So it's really like, you know, and, and Harryhausen has not only the visual effects credit, but also he's uh, a producer on it. He's one of the uh, mm-hmm. two main producers. So it really yeah. is like it's it's his movie. He's not a director, so somebody else directed it, but it's really his movie is what it feels like to me. Yeah. And, and it was very much, sure. it almost seemed like it was like a love letter yeah. to, to that style and, and what he was doing. Um, Did you guys you know, grow up on TV, you know, whenever it was, I remember whenever... whenever one of those movies with the Harryhausen effects was on, um, my mother or my grandmother would say, oh, you got to watch this. Hmm. You got to watch this or at least watch this part of Jason and the Argonauts, the skeleton part or Seventh Voyage of Sinbad with the Cyclops or Valley of Guanji, which which is such a great one. And Mighty Joe Young. Whenever these movies were... Mighty Joe Young was the one. Yeah, whenever these movies were on, somebody in my house was like, oh, such and such is on and we would go and and sort of watch it together and 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 look at you know and you know maybe um some were interested more than others but certainly my my dad and i you know we we would uh he was familiar with things like jason and the argonauts and stuff like that so we would we would watch that and i remember thinking that it was so cool and I do remember thinking that this reminded me of, of that, but I also kind of remembered, you know, having the same sort of reaction you guys had of like, yeah, this this is kind of, it, it's a throw, I would never have used this word, but it feels like it's a throwback, mm-hmm. you know, it, it feels like it's from the past because of the sort of low, low tech-ness uh, of it. And I remember thinking that and feeling it at the time but also like you fred and like you jason also thinking it was really cool that somebody's still doing this yeah there was something about the whole enterprise that just felt quaint in a way that's that's not a bad thing you know it was just interesting and it didn't really feel wholly of its time and i and i've never seen it before this was not a rewatch for me. This was the first time I've ever oh, watched. Oh, you're kidding me! Right. This Get was out the out very first wow. time seeing it ever. I've oh, only well, seen... what did you? Th- I mean, really, what did you? What was your takeaway? I mean, what would what would a little ten year old uh, Jason have thought of this at the time? And then, what were your biggest takeaways seeing I mean, it now? See, that's the thing, right? Because I don't have the nostalgia factor to look to. So I would say, like, oh, what would I have thought at ten? It's it's hard to say mm-hmm. because I I think the effects I would have really enjoyed but i also it's hard to know if i would have been mildly bored too at that it age is, because it, it is fairly in a in a, in a year of rate where raiders is the mm-hmm. top movie this movie has a very slow pace there Come were a couple on, you of, were a boobo guy you loved i boobo. hated that thing <laughs> i mean okay so boobo i was gonna say the the three things that stood out to me in the movie right so i wanted boobo, boobo so badly when i was a kid this little metallic robotic owl that i you know so so bubo is a character from the mythology right but the character is not it's not a a robot obviously no i don't think it's it's the r2d2 of this yes and bubo there's a connection to raiders of lost ark which i did not realize because bubo is made by the greek god hephaestus who is played by pat roach 
who plays the big bald plane <gasps> mechanic in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, wow. No, you're That's fucking so weird. kidding me. Yep, I had no idea. Okay, so Bubo, we give it a thumbs Bubo. down. Yeah, well, I just thought it was so obviously uh, a Star Wars type thing that they were trying to, you yes. know what I mean? It was like that was their injection of the kind of thing that you were seeing, you know, like here's the robot, the the funny robot character that makes cute. No, it was basically R2-D2, right? There's even a line where they're like, you understand his clicks, beeps, and whistles or something. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Mm. That's right. yeah. Yeah. my wife who had never seen this movie, as I was watching it, walked through the, the living room at the moment that Booba that of that moment where Booba's going and and he's understanding him and she goes just from those couple of seconds of seeing the movie and no other parts of the movie she goes R two D two rip off. Yeah, so that was that was very obvious. Um, the the other things that stood out to me that I I really well one thing that I thought was very cool, especially in a movie that is. It's like it's it's very meta in a way, you know. The whole thing is this showcase for Harryhausen and his stop motion animation and these little creatures and puppets and essentially dolls. And the fact that Olivier, that Zeus, that the way yeah. they set this is like literally like taking action figures, these little models yes. down off a shelf, oh, as I if love it's that. as yeah. if they're action figures, they're little as toys. As a kid, I wanted those. I was like, I want that. I want a wall full of different people that I can manipulate and crush and destroy. But that was and, all. And that in a way, you did else. though, because you did you that had, with your friends by lying to them. I did. No, no, I mean your your you your manipulated Star your poor innocent friends. <laughs> your wall of action. I mean, we all had no, like a case right. of yeah. action figures to pull out. I was like, how. Directly, I actually had Clash of the this, Titans action figures. Oh, I didn't even know they had those. Yeah, I had a Perseus and Pegasus. But yes. the fact that they kind of tapped directly into that sense of like, you know, that 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 that, that the characters are all the playthings of the gods. And it's like, mm-hmm. and every kid in the audience is a god who goes home and, and tells their stories with their Star Wars figures or Star Trek or Clash of the Titans or whatever it is. I thought that was really cool. And uh, that was a, that was a lovely thing in the movie that I that really stood out to me. And I'll tell you, I really liked the character of Calibos. Is that how you say the name? I, yeah. Yes, I love the I'm character. So glad you, yeah, it's funny. And as the a actor, kid, he was great. He was great. He really was good. At, you know, as a kid, he was you know he was just he was the bad guy. He was the ugly creature. And watching it this time, I thought, my God, he's a tragic figure. Yeah. Yes, it he felt really Shakespearean. Is. Show me the way to justice. Show me how to punish Perseus for this blasphemy. Persuade your devoted Lord Poseidon to let loose the Kraken on the city. Let the Kraken destroy Topper as it destroyed Argus. I demand justice! Yeah, I really felt for him this time. And I, as a kid, I didn't get it because I was just like, wow, he's also so and s- witches and booba. <laughs> Boobies and Boobo. That's all I saw. <laughs> that's what Gene Shalit said about it, too. <laughs> Boobies and Boobo. Uh, Clash uh, these titans. Uh, uh, With all the boobies in this film, it should have been called Clash of the Tit and other things. <laughs> that's who the inspiration for my hairstyle was. I didn't put it together. Until it's this moment, it was Gene Shalit. Even then, even then, I was like, "That's what I have to look like." Is Gene Shalit? You mentioned the gods, and uh, yeah. what did you think? I mean, this is this is a, uh, a, a panoply, if you will, of theater legends mm. in yeah. this thing. You've got 
Lawrence freaking Olivier, the theater legend of all time, possibly still. Mm-hmm. Um, Maggie Smith, Claire Bloom, mm-hmm. uh, Burgess Meredith was an American theater legend before mm-hmm. we knew him as the Penguin and as Rocky's coach as, and all as of Mickey, that. Yeah, yep. Um, and you know, this thing is just chock full of uh, uh, of of legends of the theater. I do I I do love the moment where I mean o- o- Olivier does have a little bit of cheeky. Fun, uh, especially in the moment where he commands Athena to send Bubo down to Earth, mm-hmm. and he's like, "It's my wish. It's my wish. It's my <laughs> command." You know, yeah. and he kind of turns around with this little cheeky grin, and it's like, "Ooh, you little nasty little fucker!" He is also, you know, um, he's a master manipulator, and it's very, you know, it's patriarchal. Obviously, it's all, mm-hmm. it's all, with the exception of Poseidon, it's all female goddesses and Zeus, and they just have to take what he dishes out. Perseus, grown to a young man, he's had a happy childhood. It's the advantage of a strong body and a handsome face. What more could any mortal desire or deserve? And what of my son, Calibos? His crimes are unforgivable. Be merciful to him. Show pity. Impossible. Calibos had every advantage. You, as patron goddess of the rich city of Joppa, have spoiled and indulged him since birth. Gave him the wells of the moon to rule, and what has he done? Hunted and destroyed every living creature. He's trapped and killed my sacred herd of flying horses, and now only the stallion Pegasus remains. All right, what'd you think of the Kraken? How about that crack? What'd you think, Jason? Huh? Did you did you see that coming? How the Kraken was going to meet its demise? <laughs> did you see it coming? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of. Sure. I, I mean, I. I thought the Kraken was fine. It looked like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Very much yeah. so. You know, but then when they do the underwater shot, I love how I love how they call the Kraken, how Barry Gibb or whoever goes down there with <laughs> he his... He like pulls a lever. He pulls a lever. <laughs> and those effects are not good. The, the effects of like so people underwater <laughs> doing stuff, or even during the credits, the bird flying the in bird the credits is, very is so oh, clearly like not... Yeah. <laughs> just, anyway, so they like released the Kraken... Over. And it was very weird because you see this like large foam rubber snake thing under the water, and it's like, well, that's the kraken. Yeah. yeah, okay, but that's all you see. So it almost feels like it's two different creatures. It feels like yeah. underwater, there's it's just a snake, and then above yeah. the water, it's the creature from the Black Lagoon. And it was. I wondered yeah. even as a kid, like, I, I thought about that. I'm like, well, but where's this tail that we just saw coming out, going past the uh, you know superimposed image of the god pulling the big lever? Yeah, as an yeah. adult, the movie does leave you with a lot of a lot of questions like that like uh also what i I don't you you explained the whole calibos um takes her soul every night or whatever better than i have ever heard it explained in the the beginning of the because i I, I couldn't tell what the hell was happening that's what i was just gonna say i couldn't tell what exactly was happening um but it 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 uh it was very confusing to me that she is that's where she's getting the riddles from yeah, that's mm-hmm. the whole. He's getting. She's getting the riddles from him. He was a comedian at heart. And all the- he wanted to do is tell jokes. <laughs> that's all Calibos wanted to he do wrote before jokes he was disfigured. The same yeah. way Carl Reiner would write he a joke like, for yeah. Mel Brooks. I was just say. what it was. He's like, he's like, I was- tried to sell this to Gary Shandling, but <laughs> can you go to court and <laughs> he stand next to your mother, the Mrs. Roper? That Burgess <laughs> 
God. The doesn't, other thing yeah, is, doesn't that look, Andromeda's mother look like Mrs. Roper to me? She, she did look a little <laughs> no, bit like. Uh, uh, oh my God! Uh, you're right. Was her what was her name? Mm. Joanna Lumley? No, that can't be right. No, no, no I can't remember her name. But I know he did. was Norman Fell, but I can't was, remember her it was, name. It was the, the red curly hair and the 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 and the, the moo the moo moo. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. Um, um, my my biggest question is when after you pay the ferryman, wh- where is he spending that money? Is he going to Arby's? Is he getting a is he getting a beef and cheddar? Where can he spend that money? What kind? What retail outlets are available in the underworld uh, along the uh, river? Sticks? Crossing the river sticks. I you did gotta love that pay him. You have to pay him. And where is he spending that money? Also, didn't bring a coin to make his way back. How did Perseus get back? Oh, hello, people. He didn't have a second coin. Don't pay the movies i remember this now on v when we would watch it on vhs vhs you'd fast forward a lot of it to get to the cool shit yeah, you'd yeah, fast yeah. forward through the through the boring stuff with burgess meredith in the in where he's getting the helmet and the magic shield and whatever to get to the next find effect. and fulfill your debt did you notice that Bur- <laughs> when, uh, Lawrence olivia when he's talking in the shield he suddenly zeus suddenly seems drunk he see you know what he reminds me of he reminds me of Orson Welles in the Ah, the French in that <laughs> wine, wine commercial that he did. Action Orson, please. Can you just do anything? No, it's a, sorry, cut. Yeah, rolling. 102, take two. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. There is a California champagne by Sao Paul Masson. 102, take three. Action, please. Ah, the French. Yeah, it's like he, it's like they, he lifts up the shield, and Olivia's like, ah, Perseus. He's suddenly, well, he I'm just sure seems drunk was, and out of yeah, it. Yeah, well, he probably was. They probably were like, you just sit in this chair, Larry, and you're gonna say some things that, that we're gonna superimpose on a shield. He's like, what? They're like, yeah, it's just, you know, your face appears in a shield. He's like, oh, for Christ's sake. Just, uh, couldn't you couldn't you have gotten Gil good to do this? Fuck. Well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Orson Welles, uh, Fred. I, let's, yeah. let's, uh, I believe Orson Welles, of all people, uh, is the first voice we hear in our next movie. Unbelievable. Mel Brooks's History of the World, Part 1. Oh, my God. Moses went to the mountain, and God spoke unto him. The Lord, the Lord Jehovah, has given unto you these 15... Oi. 10, 10 commandments! Human history is traced through a series of sketch comedy vignettes beginning with Sid Caesar and some masturbating cavemen, Mel Brooks <laughs> as Moses, and Dom DeLuise and Madeline Kahn presiding over the Roman Empire. Cloris Leachman foments revolution in France as Madame Defarge, but not before the film's high point, a lavish musical number about, what else? The Spanish Inquisition. Although the part one of the title implies that a sequel was in the works, Brooks claims that it was merely a historical joke, a play on the title of Sir Walter Raleigh's book, The History of the World, Volume One. 
Raleigh wrote the book while imprisoned in the Tower of London and was beheaded before he got a chance to write Volume 2. A similar <laughs> metaphorical fate befell Brooks, whose film received harsh reviews and underperformed at the box office, taking in nearly $5 million in its opening weekend, but only around $31 million when all was said and done. Fred and Dan, what did you think of History of the World Part 1? This was my first Mel Brooks movie that I saw. Uh There was a point in time that me and my sister could literally recite every single line from this movie. (laughs) We absolutely loved it. Um, I think I I, I did not see it when it first came out. And we were sort of discussing this yesterday. I was sending you a text. I was trying to figure out when I I, Mm. I saw it um, because it was rated R. Yep. So my, I don't think my parents would have taken me to see it. I believe I saw it the year, a year later, um, in full. I had seen clips of it. Um, I had seen one clip, and I'm assuming it must have been. I'm guessing it must have been on Siskel and Ebert, but I'm not sure. But I know I saw the scene, um, and this plays into my web of lies, which I'll get to <laughs> later when we get to Raiders. But I did see the scene where Cloris Leachman uh, is 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 giving the big rousing speech about the French rising up and she pops her boob. What we need is a new language. A song that speaks of struggle. That speaks of triumph. I think they showed that in a clip. Right, she's got the knitting uh, needles. and She's she... got the knitting needles and she's, and she's beating her chest and, and she pops her boob and you're pops. And me and all my friends were talking about it. It was a very big thing in the third grade. Um, <laughs> but when I did see it a year later on VHS, it was a big deal for me because, like I said, it was my first Mel Brooks movie. Uh, it was subversive. I don't think I understood half of what was going on, no. but I loved it. Um, oh, I really, yeah. I, really I loved still, it. to this day, I rewatch it again. I, I still loved it. I, I, I it's, it's really. I, I'd get raked through the coals. It's so you can never make a movie like that. Today. No, uh, but, but I don't know if you can make any Mel Brooks movie like that. But Dom DeLuise. <laughs> oh, oh, here, watch this. Madeline Kahn. Yes. No, 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 no. Yes. No, 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 no. Yes. No, no. Yes. No, 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 no. Yes. I mean, they. It's. They're genius. I howl with laughter with them. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's Mel Brooks unleashed, which is not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> right. I've I, I've always said that Mel Brooks needs someone like Gene Wilder, Gene Wilder. to to rein him in. That's what I kept thinking rewatching this because I saw I had a very similar experience. Like I saw it on video. I saw it about a year after it came out. At that point, I had probably seen. I don't know what Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles were rated. They might have been rated R as well. But certainly on TV, they were edited down. Like, I had seen other Mel Brooks movies before History of the World. But this was the first one that I think I was seeing in its original uh, format. So what happened was somebody gave us this as a present. My mother was like, "Mm, you can't watch this right now. (laughs) And then literally one day... You know, my sister and I, my sister's two years younger than me. We were, you know, together constantly. There was something where she was at a friend's house or something like that. And uh, I was given permission. I remember very specifically, it was like a Saturday morning. And I was given permission to like sit down 
and you can watch by myself so I didn't have to have the awkwardness of my mom or somebody another relative watching with me but I didn't have any friend with me either. I was just by myself and I just sat down like I had my special screening of History of the World Part 1 and it really it blew it blew my mind especially like all of it blew my mind especially the Spanish Inquisition that I just thought that was especially brilliant I didn't see it coming I was just so taken by that. That's why I, I say, you know, that's a, that was a little editorial comment when I say it's the film's high point. I think many people would probably agree there is something about that that is uh, so supercharged and it's so self-contained oh, yeah. and it's so well done. Convert now or forever burn in hell. For now begins the Inquisition. Inquisition. Let's begin the Inquisition. Look out, Sam. We have a mission to convert the Jews. We're gonna teach them wrong from right. We're gonna help them see the light and make an offer that they can't refuse. That the Jews just can't refuse. Confess. Don't be boring. Say yes. Don't be dull. A fact. You're ignoring It's better to lose your skull cap than your skull the movie is so like it's the movie more than any other Mel Brooks movie is like an issue of Mad Magazine. It's like it's like <laughs> you know how like yeah. even in the fact of like it having like these the lengths of the vignettes, the fact that the Stone Age is like these four quick little scenes of Sid Caesar mm-hmm. in these comic situations. That's like a, a page of Don Martin cartoons yes. or Sergio <laughs> Aragones from Mad Magazine, where it's like three pages of like. What if a caveman was in this situation? What if they were in this right. situation? Yeah, yeah. And then the Roman Empire and the French Revolution, those are more like more Drucker like movie parodies. Yes. That's like a yeah, whole exactly. thing. There's a whole world and all the characters and all. So it really had that same feeling to me. And I was like, so it just, it just delighted the hell out of me uh, as a kid. On rewatch, <laughs> it was, um, I still, there's so many things I love about it, but it's like all the <laughs> same things I the things I love about it now, there wasn't anything new that I was like, oh, that's delightful. It was all like the stuff that I rem- that made a big impression on me as a kid, the stuff that stayed with me, that still stayed with me. Almost all of that I loved, but there were, but there were, you know, I mean, let's face it, it like you said, Fred, in this day and age, it's a, it's a problematic movie. You couldn't make oh, it yeah. today. Oh, my God, the whole, the French Revolution, you know, it's good to be the king. It's good to be the king. My God! Yeah. As a kid, I thought that was hysterical. Ooh. I'm like, oh my God! But, you know, this but is... it's it's Ooh. it's it's and you said it well too when you said he needs a Gene Wilder. It's crass yeah. Yeah. in a way that there's uh, there's something uh, a little more n- uh, nuanced or sophisticated about Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles. Sure. And that's and when I you think w- the Gene Wilder influence and Cleon yeah, Little. when you watch that. when you watch yeah. Young Frankenstein, it's very clear which jokes came from Gene Wilder. Like. What knockers? That's Mel Brooks yes. and Gene Wilder, yeah. and Gene Wilder's just rolling his eyes, being like, "All right, I'll give it to you." Now. And this is just—it's just him unleashed. And yeah. there's something like gorgeous about it. Like, I mean, rewatching it, like I said, as a kid, I could not get enough. We knew every word. We could sing that whole Spanish Inquisition. Oh my God, we loved it. Um, my God, Gregory Hines, so good. What a, you know what I found so out? Good. That was supposed to be, and I even thought Richard this Pryor. watching. It was supposed to be Richard, it was Pryor, Richard Pryor, but he had literally oh. just had his accident. He had just <gasps> yeah. been in the fire. This was Gregory but... Hines' first movie. Is my it? favorite. 
Yeah, oh, and which which wow. I, I didn't get this as a kid. I didn't understand it, and I howled when they're walking past um, the blind dude. Give to Oedipus! Give to Oedipus! Hey, Josephus! Hey, motherfucker! That was one of my favorite gags in the whole movie. Was that that Fantastic. that one made me laugh out loud? Right. I um, saw it for the first time today. Oh, I had never, I had really? never seen it ever. Uh, <laughs> didn't see it then. Hadn't seen it since. Oh my god! Had always seen clips of 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 things like I had seen mm. that B. Arthur clip before. That's very, oh, that's the very best. funny. That's gorgeous. Next occupation: stand up philosopher. What? Stand up philosopher. I coalesce the vapor of human experience into a viable and logical comprehension. Oh, a bullshit artist. Did you bullshit last week? No. Did you try to bullshit last week? Yes. It's seen parts of the Inquisition thing, and you're absolutely right. That's the strongest thing in the movie. This felt like four movies to me. A pretty funny (laughs) Sid Caesar movie, a long and drawn out, fairly okay movie about the Roman Empire, a hilarious movie about the Spanish Inquisition, and a really bad movie about the French Revolution. <laughs> I was, I was, I really, uh, you know, for me, this was very much like a five out of ten. It is surprising because I am a fan of Mel Brooks, and I love those movies. I love the producers so much, you know. Um, that's one of my oh, favorite Oh, I love seeing Carmen Ghia as, uh, oh, right. as Count de Monet's. Yes. That's that yeah, That's where yeah, I recognize uh, him. Don't, okay. don't get saucy don't with me, me that's a great Stupid. line. So many Great. stupid lines. That's like that. a, no, that's a good so one. That good. is one of the better ones. Your Majesty, you look like the piss boy, and you look like a bucket of shit. I love seeing. I love seeing all of the. I love seeing Charlie Callis show up and Henny Youngman show Shecky up. Jackie Green, Jackie Mason. Shecky, yeah, Jackie Mason's in it. I'm sitting flicking chickens and I'm looking through the pickings and suddenly these guys break down my balls. I didn't even know them and they grabbed me by the score them and they started playing ping pong with my balls. Oi, the agony. Ooh, the shame. To make my privates public for a game. I can't remember a Mel Brooks movie that had this many of that kind of cameo that kind of like uh you know what so i mean those, many those all those go those vaudeville comedians and all doing kind of the same thing like a very presentational yeah. like <laughs> i'm out here selling something i mean right they did it in both the roman empire and the french oh, yeah. revolution it's like you know yeah. it's and that's what it seemed like it seemed like the whole movie especially watching it again i mean as a kid i didn't know who these people were I just like oh they were the funny old guys yeah. and, and but watching it now <laughs> It, it very much seemed like, uh, you know, an homage to the, that old era of all those old comedians, just almost like old, sure. like show of shows, sketch comedy, For sure. you know, yeah. um, is it, does it hold up as one of the best movies? No. And, you know, again, I think it's because the, the Mel Brooks unleashed thing. Um, Mel Brooks but- also has the same problem that Woody Allen has, which is he thinks he's very, very appealing to young women, I guess. I mean, Jesus Christ. I was I was like half three. I was like, I wonder if the reason like he's literally dragging people out of bed like any young men like to come do this is because in comparison, he looks and feels vital in some way. To it. It's like all these incredibly old comedians. And then it's like, you know, he's like, hey, I've got a little bit of energy. So I took my uh, I took my potassium this morning. So what do you think, 20 year old? 
Shall we make moon eyes at each other? It's a Similar, little much. Similarly to the boobo moment, the one moment my wife walked through the room as I was watching it was one of those moments. And she was like, seriously? Ew. Like, she's <laughs> she's interested in him. I was like, I know. It's Mel Brooks. She was like, oh, my God. Same exact kind of thing. It was the one thing she saw yeah. as she went through the room. Now, I remember what was a very exciting moment for me, because like I said, that was the movie that that started it off for for Mel Brooks, for me and my sister. We were just obsessed with it. Then we we saw Blazing Saddles and Silent Movie and Young Frankenstein. But my one of my mom's closest friends at the time lived on Fire Island, and she actually lived next door to Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft. And I remember... We had just watched History of the World Part 1 again. We watched it constantly, and we were at Fire Island at my at my mom's friend uh, Ada's house, and we were swimming, and I got knocked over by a wave, and this nice old man picked <gasps> me up. Who was it? It was Mel Brooks. No, you're wow. lying. Yeah, he picked me up, and, I, and w- like we literally... We either had rewatched History of the World Part One or we just watched Blazing Saddles again. But I, I remember him picking me up and he's like, Oh, you got to watch out for those big waves. And I look out and Anne Bancroft is swimming. Oh now, at the God. time, I had no idea who Anne Bancroft was. I didn't, oh, you know, to me, I was just all about Mel God, Brooks. Fred. And my parents were like, Oh my God, that's Anne Bancroft. I'm like, I don't know who that is. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> I do think he is brilliant and a, like a. Like a, a I, I, I imagine he's a sweetheart of a guy too. I don't. Everything sure. I've ever Everyone heard about yeah, him, he's worked with him. He's just. I. He's. He seems lovely and kind and funny. And and I'm. I'm. I love all young. Fr- I mean, I loved History of the World Part One too. Growing up, and I like I said, I still lo- love a lot of things about it. I think it had a, a more of a golden hue around it for me when I was younger. I think I put it in the same I put it in the same bag with Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein when I was younger and now I see, you know, the, yeah. the separation Agreed. is greater there. But hey. Yeah. 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 But, but love Mel Brooks. Love Mel Brooks. So right, shall we move on? And that's the Ethiopian Shim Shim. Yes. <laughs> um Shim Sham makes me think of Sheboygan, and so let's go to the mailbag real quick Perfect. because Sheila. Did I think like we should have a bell, like a ding, 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 like some sound effects. Oh, one of the like first episodes you did like a honk, honk, and I like. Honk, I really, honk. yeah. We should bring that yeah. in somehow. All right, we'll do that. We'll bring that in. Um, we'll put that in post. But she- <laughs> Ethan, did you hear that be- bell honking bell sound for Dan and Sheila? Sheila from Sheboygan writes. Hey, last week's episode was great. What were the movies last week? Gremlins, Ghostbusters, Beastry, Hey, last week's episode was great. Uh, I agree with Dan that the Phoebe Cates uh, monologue about the dead father should not be in there. And because uh, my father... <laughs> oh, Jesus. ...staged uh, George Washington crossing the Delaware and fell in. He didn't die, but he was got very cold, and that was very traumatizing for us all. And he did that on Washington. Did I mention that was on Washington's birthday? That was probably God. would have been a better way to set that up. Yeah, probably. Sincere, try, try it again. Sincerely, Sheila. Hey, you just you're just reading the letter. That's how she. That's wrote. how she that's writes how she it. Told, she's very stream of consciousness. She's telling her truth. Okay, she's, that's Sheila's truth. She's stream of. She's the James Joyce of this uh, podcast. She's very stream of consciousness. And what better introduction? one of the greatest action adventure films of all time that's right it's Raiders of the Lost Ark 
Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones, an intrepid archaeologist trying to beat a band of Nazis to the Ark of the Covenant, a religious relic which is central to Hitler's plans for world domination. Jones and his spunky, determined ex-girlfriend Marion Ravenwood, played by Karen Allen, are in constant peril, making hair's breadth escapes at every turn in this celebration of the innocent adventure movie serials of a bygone era. Director Steven Spielberg and executive producer George Lucas famously struck a deal to make this film while building sandcastles in Hawaii while waiting for the box office results of Lucas's first Star Wars film in 1977. The pair, along with Harrison Ford, went on to film three sequels, and there are ongoing plans for a fifth film in the franchise. Raiders was the biggest hit of 1981, earning over $8 million in its opening weekend, $226 million domestically, and $367 million worldwide. Fred, if you throw Dan the idol, Dan, will you throw Fred the whip? In other words, <laughs> uh, what did you guys think of Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, I loved it. It's so, so, yeah, so good. I uh, definitely did not see it when it first came out. No, nope, um, me neither. Similar to what you said, I can't remember if it was because I had heard that it was scary and bloody and stuff and maybe kid I do have sort of a vague memory of kids saying oh the ending is really gross and scary and gory hmm. and that I think made me afraid to see it so I didn't see it um, when it came out I saw it on VHS um, whenever whenever it was mm -hmm. released on whenever it would have been released on VHS because we had it on a on a on a borrowed uh, VHS cassette excuse me, from friends of our family. Um, and probably 16 Candles was on that same video cassette. <laughs> and, uh, and because my sister loved that movie and watched it a hundred times. And Raiders. And um, I think uh, the Gene Hackman movie, Uncommon Valor, was also on that same <laughs> video cassette. Isn't that great that you can remember the video cassettes in your house when you were a kid and like the three Absolutely. titles that were on the six-hour yep. tape? Oh, and we didn't have cable, so it had that ba-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da because people, mm -hmm. had, people had taped it off of HBO. So <laughs> had that whole very exciting HBO feature presentation thing. Yeah. So I remember seeing it in that context many, many times and just watching it over and over at home um, with with my family. Uh, and uh, I, I did a I did a I did a rewatch. The CBS has been doing these these CBS Sunday night movies yeah. lately. So I did a rewatch of it during that a couple of weeks ago. So I watched it with commercials. And then today I did a listen to it i had it on in the background as i was doing other things and just every once in a while I, i've seen it so many times but every once in a while i would just give a listen to parts of the soundtrack mm -hmm. or a sound effect and just to see if i can get the image in my head of what exactly is happening in that moment and every time it was right on the money i was like oh this is the part where he's xyz and that was exactly, you know, wh wherever it was. Oh, this is where he's running from the ball. This mm -hmm. is where he's, you know, falling into the snake thing. You know, this is where the snake is, is up in his face. You know, whatever it was, th these are indelibly, you know, stamped <laughs> on my memory. And I didn't realize how much they were uh, until today. And That's that was so that fun. was really, really fun um, to see. The performances are so good across the board. Everybody's great in it. There, there's not a... <sighs> Oh, it's it's not a weak link. There's not a weak moment in it. It's kind of a perfect fucking movie. That's, it's, it's that's what excellent. I, yeah, it's it's yeah. a it's, it's a perfect adventure movie. Yeah, a perfect movie in so many ways. It's really yeah. outstanding in a way One that the, I didn't even hold it in such high regard prior to the. It's almost like this rewatch. Yeah, took it to another level for me just because it's one of those things that you know so well, and from whenever you first saw it, 
you've seen it multiple times you love it you're like yes it's very good it's this and but it just it yeah it kind of took on a uh it was a whole other level for me because i hadn't watched it like this like sat down to watch it like this in years and years and uh and to watch it like i say with again with like i said with history of the world with a a slightly more critical eye to be like okay well what do i think of this and does it hold up and and it is it's excellent I kept oh, yeah. thinking during the. I haven't. I can't remember ever thinking about this about a movie I was watching at home. I thought three or four times during this movie. I wonder if applause broke out in the theater after that moment, <laughs> and I thought that multiple times. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. sure if you were in like New York City in like 1981, you know, like seeing this on an opening night or something. How many of these big, big show-stopping sequences, which oh. come hot on the heels of each other. Every they really second, do. It's relentless. Every time one thing yeah. ends. That's what's so funny about it. It's like an homage to these old movie serials and cliffhangers of the past, but they're all strung together. So it's as yes. if, yep. so every giant event is immediately followed by throwing him into another situation. That is another yeah. giant event. And so it takes on... It's not a comedy, but it takes on a comic energy because of that. Like, you find yourself laughing in disbelief at, like, what the poor son of a bitch is being put through now. Well, he's he's constantly <sighs> underfoot. It's like he says, you know, he goes, I don't know, I'm making this up as I go along. Great and line. that's what's amazing. Yes. I mean, this movie, when I line. saw it, I, I have so much to say about this movie. And uh, <laughs> go. Because I love it. It's been since day one. It's pr- like, in th- and I've seen it so many times. And even back then, it instantly became one of my favorite movies. And it's still i i probably put it above all the star wars movies in terms of just there, there's nothing wrong about it to me i just it's like you said it's a perfect movie yeah. i love it it brings me the same amount of joy there's not a part that i sort of zone out on no. or want to fast forward i love it um i have to give you the history of when i saw it because I, I i promised at the beginning who did you lie to this time <laughs> everyone um, and this story has become Most sort of, of famous yourself. within my family, myself, and, and yeah. Um, my kids know this story very well. I use it as a cautionary tale. So I, I, too, Dan, was a little scared when the movie first came out. I remember seeing the commercials, and there was something about it that seemed... I, I, I remember seeing him on the front of the truck and... You know, it bending and him falling down. I remember being scared by that and thinking, oh, I don't know. This movie seems too intense for me. Um, But I was the movie guy. And, well, that was Han Solo and it was Steven Spielberg. And it was expected of me to see it. But I was a little scared. It just seemed, like I said, intense. I'm like, I I don't know. It was. So when the movie came out, and I remember we were, I was at the Munsee Park Elementary School. Um, and I'm, I'm going to jump back. As I said, I had seen the scene from History of the World Part 1, and it was something that me and my friends had spoken about a lot of Cloris Leachman popping her boob, and we're on the steps that lead down to the playground for recess, and all my friends are gathered around going, so Fred, did you see it? You, you saw it, you saw it. And I said, well, of course I saw it. I'm the, I'm the movie guy, guys. God. And they said, okay, so so much like with Clash of the Titans, and you know, and they're like, oh, tell us about the Pegasus part. Here they said, oh, well, what happens when the monkey dies? When the monkey dies? And I went, oh, let me tell you. So the monk, now I had no idea, I hadn't seen it, so I made up this story. And I said, so what happens is the monkey dies, right? And I knew there was a girl in the movie. That's all I knew. <laughs> so I said, well, the monkey dies. And the girl, right, she's in the shower. So she comes out of the shower wow. and she sees the monkey dead. 
And she's got these knitting needles in her hand. And she goes, oh, my God. And she puts the needles to her boob. And she popped her boob. Uh, <laughs> you are. You are ridiculous. Oh, my God. And they all God. looked at me. And I guess they believed me. So to this day. They did not believe never, you. When you say they looked at me. And I guess they believed me. They looked at you and they thought, people don't pop their boobs in movies that aren't Mel Brooks movies, Fred. <laughs> but to this day, I t- my kids, oh, like God. whenever like someone gets caught in a lie, we'll just look at each other and go, and they popped your boob. <laughs> a song that speaks of struggle, that speaks of triumph. But I do remember when I did see it, and I saw it on my birthday, uh, my 10th birthday, July 31st, um, and I have the picture to prove it. My my mom got a cake that said, Fred found the Lost Ark, uh, and we had a Raiders of the Lost Ark themed birthday, and we went, me and all my friends, and I remember I was very nervous, because like you, Dan, I heard about the ending might be a little scary, and I remember asking uh, my friend, I I think it was... I, I, there was a kid in my class named Chris Young, and I believe it was his younger brother. And I was like, "Is it really scary?" And he's like, "You'll you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. You'll be okay." Um, and I was I I was blown away. I became obsessed with the movie. I would put on Indiana Jones stunt shows in my backyard. <laughs> I won as Indiana Jones the following Halloween, but before that, I got uh, an Indiana Jones costume that my mom made me, and I had. So Aww. in second grade, I went as Bigfoot. And my mom made me a Bigfoot costume. This is all going to make sense. Um, And it was a full body uh, hair costume, right? So then the next year, there was a haunted house that my mom was hosting. So she kept the costume. She filled it with, uh, you know, I don't know. She filled it with something to to fill it up and hang it as a monster. And she put a, a mask over it. So she made it like a monster in the haunted house. So I kept it and it would hang in my closet. That Bigfoot became my personal Nazi. So I had what? I had what? the Raiders what? of the Lost uh, I'll get there. So I had the Raiders of the Lost Ark soundtrack on vinyl. I recorded it to tape on my boomboxes. My dad had a stereo system where I could do that. And I would bring it outside and I would dress up like Indiana Jones and we had a tree in my backyard and I would invite my parents and my sister. Sometimes my sister was a part of the show, other times I just made her watch. And she would come out and I would put on these shows where I would dress up like Indiana Jones and I would press play on the boombox and I would play and my favorite was the music music to the truck scene and I would play that because it was the most dramatic to me and I would climb up the tree as Indiana Jones and I would drag up the stuffed Bigfoot costume and I would throw him off the tree like he was and I'd set up bean bags underneath the tree so I would throw the big hairy Nazi down or sometimes the big hairy Nazi would throw me down and I'd fall and I would put on these I would just go on and put on these Indiana Jones shows and um, I still to this day I'm still forcing my parents to watch me put on Indiana Jones shows (laughs) and your sister Um, would say I don't want to see anything with boobies could you put your boobies away But we, but I still like it was. I was almost more excited to watch that movie with my kids than any of the Star Wars movies. And it's just, do your kids love it? 
They love it. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I watched it again. I rewatched it last night and I mentioned to my kids and they're like, eh, I don't know. So I was like, well, I'm just going to watch it by myself. And then my son came in and he was completely sucked yeah. in. He was totally it's, into it. Um, yes. no, it's, yeah, it's I got to say, so good. well, first, let me ask you that. Have you seen... You must. You would love this, Fred. You've you've heard about this at least. Have you Raiders? seen Raiders: The Story of the Greatest yeah. Fan Film Ever Made? Yeah, it, yeah, love it's it. It's fantastic so what those kids it's did, so, and it feels like I you mean, could it, have been that kid. Like one of if yeah, you lived with well, those, you know, near those kids, you would have been in that movie. And it, totally, it's funny because I mentioned that. Like me and my friends, we used to make movies all the time, and when I heard about that, I was like, oh God, those guys put us to shame. Yeah, we were this nothing. Is, for those who you know, haven't heard of it, it's a, it's basically a shot for shot recreation that these these young kids did the summer that they saw Raiders they they began and they and it took them years I think they started out in like fourth or fifth grade and then they must have been high school seniors when they when they finished Mm -hmm. the bulk of it and in fact part of the documentary story is that there were scenes that they had never gotten um that they you know they kind of got a crew together and in their late 30s or early 40s (laughs) got together and finally finished off the the shot for shot uh, recreation but yeah it had that kind of inspirational effect on on kids because it is it is so so good now i was also i was too afraid to go see it and i remember <laughs> i remember my father asking multiple times that summer he would you know we would see him on weekends and he would always you know we'd go out for lunch go to a movie go do something he would always say like you really you're gonna want to see this you're gonna you're, you're you're gonna wish you had seen it and i'm like no 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 and i gotta say I'm glad I didn't go. I would not have been. I don't think I would have uh, done well with it uh, at really? that age. Really? It, I think it's just, it's incredibly violent. Maybe I would have enjoyed it, but I had not seen anything. Like at the time that movie came out, if I had gone to see that in the theater, it would have been too much for me because I had not seen anything close to that level of yeah, violence. You said you didn't see horror movies or anything like that. No, or- never, never was interested in them. And even action, I mean... You know, we talked last week about how Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Gremlins were like this one-two punch in 1984 that led to the creation of PG-13 rating. So I always walk around thinking, well, those movies must have just been the most intense things with a PG rating, and it just was the tipping point. No, Mm -hmm. it was the tipping point, but much like when somebody wins an Oscar for a movie where it's like, yeah, they were (laughs) fine, but really it... They should have won for that thing five years ago. Yeah. That's how I feel about this. I look at this and I'm like, this is much more deserving of of, of a, a, a a middle rating between PG and R than oh, for than sure. Indiana Jones. Right, because, because Indiana Jones Temple of Doom is even even that is as as uh, as graphic as it is is also kind of cartoony, and so is Gremlins mm. and its violence. This yeah. is like. How many people get shot in the face in this movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember when I showed it to my kids, and I was worried, because up until then, the, and you know, this was years ago, they had seen the Star Wars movies, and even like some of the, the, the superhero movies that they were starting to watch, there was violence, but it was different. But I remember watching, showing them, I'm like, oh, God, no, you see the blood. And <laughs> yes. People are getting impaled. And and speaking, speak, this is sort of going off the violence, but something that I love about this movie so much is the sound. The sound of those guns. Mm-hmm. Let her go. Oh. 
It's so interesting too when you said Dan that you 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 know you had the experience of listening to the movie and being able to follow everything going on because as I was watching it last night I thought yeah. This is one of those movies, I, as they say about right all great filmmaking, right? You know, it's such a visual medium that if you if you had no sound on, if you couldn't hear any dialogue or anything, you would be able to follow everything that you're. You know, I mean, that's. Yes. I, I was like, it's just such a visual feast, and it's so. This is Spielberg at the top. I feel. I, oh. I, I, this this and E. T. I feel like this is him. At, he, he was he was never there before this, and he was never quite there after it. As brilliant as he Agreed. is, from from Jaws all the way through today, you know. But there's something about he's, the terminal. He's, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> his just confidence. Kidding. Yeah. There's a confidence. Yes. And a wit. It's like I, I can imagine you. I, I, I was thinking. I was like, what other director? You know, you walk into this movie, and I'm sure you feel like you're in such good hands not that you're not going to get scared or surprised you know it's not you like took the words not, right out of my mouth that was what i was just going to say you feel like you're in good hands this entire movie it's yeah. like oh okay i'm you're lifted it's one of those movies that lifts you out of your seat there are very few of them <laughs> yeah you know yeah. and you just you travel along with this movie and you go yep i'm with you and he's such a great the character of indiana uh, jones i mean it's i love the fact amazing. that he's a professor you know, he's this adventurer, but then he's this professor, and he loves what he does. He loves archaeology. He's he's absolutely he's when they nerd. come and they start. He's, <laughs> he's a nerd. A he's absolutely giddy yeah. about it. When they're asking him about you know the staff of Ra, yes. he's so he's him and Brody are in that giddy. Scene too, yeah. He's geeking out in that scene. Yeah. Oh my God, he's so good in, in the scene where he's actually teaching the class. Mm-hmm. Because I was listening to it today, I've heard this line five million times. But it landed to me this week in a completely different way. It's when he says, This site also demonstrates one of the great dangers of archaeology, not to life and limb, which the whole movie is a danger to his life and yeah. limb, right? right? Although that does sometimes take place. <laughs> no, I'm talking about folklore. Mm-hmm. What a weekend for that. You know what I mean? Clash of the Titans, History yeah. of the World, and this. These are three oh. movies where they take where we take mythology, folklore, whether it's Greek mythology, whether it's the folklore that goes along with the, yeah. the, the different things in the history of the world. Right. The Bible. Or whether, and, exactly. Yeah. Or whether it's um, Spielberg watching old movie serials from the 30s and 40s and his mythology, his folklore, and putting a twist on that. And, especially, and the folklore that goes along with the actual Ark of the Covenant, that folklore, yeah. which is in the movie, you know. It never landed on me the way it landed on me today hearing that line. Plus, it's just so ironically funny because, like I said before, he is constantly his life and limb is are at risk. That's the whole point of the movie, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, you know the 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 risks of folklore, right? The the riskiness and the the um, you know the the adventure uh, that go that that where we you know it's like. Uh, it's almost in a way like what Olivier kind of says at the end of Clash of the Titans. It's like, hey, as long as people need this, we'll be there. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as people have have jealousy, as long as people have desire, as long as people have this, that, and the other, we'll we'll be there to provide <laughs> the, the folklore <laughs> so that they can uh, so that they can live their lives. I just thought this was such a cool weekend 
for for that. And I wonder what it was about 1981 <laughs> that was like, hey, we need folklore again. You know what I mean? Well, Superman 2, same thing. You know what yeah. I mean? But also, uh, the other movies that came out that year, I was thinking like Dragon Slayer and oh, Excalibur. There you go. Oh, yeah. There you go. It's a very big year for that kind of thing. You're absolutely right. There for you that go. Kind what of storytelling. was it about that? that be- was it because Star Wars just a few years before? Probably. It was like, okay, we're doing, we're doing, we're doing sure, Hero's yeah. Journey we're again, doing people. Myth. Yeah, we're doing yeah. myth again. I think yeah. you're right. I think that's, that's it. That's so interesting. I never that's thought about that. that's about the time that. it would yeah. take for all these yeah. you know what I mean uh, something comes out in 77 and then people are starting to be like how do we what's how do yep. we do it what's our script what, let's get this in development and then by 80 they did 81, it with Star Trek you know Star Trek was like yeah. oh and we'll be bringing this back because yeah. of this whole Star Wars thing you know what I mean and that's a mythology that's a folklore from the 60s so yeah I, I just loved uh, that about it I love that he's a geek <laughs> you know I love the Denim Elliott carrier, character there are two imperfect things in the movie and they both have to do with with um, with dubbing with a, with ADR mm. number one number one Jacques the pilot his first yeah, yes I know his, exactly his, what you're going to say his first line oh that's just my pet snake Reggie he's Reggie. from freaking you know he's from Brighton or Brixton or whatever yep. second line ah get a little oh, backbone he's from the Bronx yep. hilarious <laughs> always me. loved that but it made it clearly make they that's two and different. And even as a takes. kid, I wondered. I was like, "Well, where's Jock? What happened?" Like they sort of set him up as he's going to be like yeah, yeah, yeah. a sidekick, right. and then he disappears. I will but say, he has yes, two, but he has, that that's too. an ADR. Uh, you know, that's an additional dialogue that's recording. That's really, really funny. That's really funny. Oh, go ahead. Say the your other second, point. No, sorry. The second one is uh, is Sala. He's like you know John Rice Davies has this big deep bass baritone voice. And then there's one line, though, where that's clearly dubbed later, where he goes, perhaps a man I know can help us. It's like, I was listening to that today. I was like, Wilfred Grimley? Yeah. Uh, I was like, now saying that? I was like, oh, my God, that's Salah. I was like, and that was only because I was hearing it from another room. You know what I mean? I was like, that sounds so off. Now, that scene, and because I remember at the time, I was always confused how... I was saying it was a perfect movie. Maybe it's not so perfect. There's some holes here and there. But I always wondered, how did Indiana Jones know when he says at the end, he goes, don't look at it, Mary. Mm. Whatever whatever happens, don't look. And I always wondered. Now, but apparently, and I don't know if it was cut out or if it was in the original script. I think it may have been in the original script because I also remember um, I had uh, a book that had the full storyboard and script of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And me and my friend Josh would read through it. (laughs) <laughs> and we, we would read all the lines. and um, But there was a scene where when they go see that man who's going to tell them about the staff of Ra, apparently he's the one who imparts that information <gasps> where he says, you can't look mm. upon the Ark and what comes out of it. So that's how he knew. I always, uh, yeah. I, always, I, I always chalked it up to something like that, that he just has such a great knowledge of the history of, the of this piece. Of the folklore that yeah. he would... That he, oh, it's just an innate understanding that he, whether it was like something that he actually had read or that he just had, you know, his his sensibility. It never bothered me that he knew not to look upon it. But you're right. It's not it's not overly specified. But man, what an amazing moment. I ju- just to to jump in there to say, like, because, you know, you talk about like how scary that is. And that is, you know, I mean, on a, a movie with like constant like thrills and chills and difficult things to watch and everything that is i mean he really it's saves the, the best slash worst for last and yeah. and kate my wife she still she loves this movie she's seen it many times oh. she's never watched it that scene that she closed her eyes last night she was like i can't watch wow. it 
I can't watch it. I was like, you don't want to watch it? You don't want-? She's like, no, I know it's bad, but I can't watch it. She's never actually opened her eyes to watch the end of the movie because oh it's so intense God. to her. But I think what's amazing about it, too, is Spielberg's brilliant because he makes the whole audience a voyeur. He makes the whole audience right. a Nazi. Yes. Yes. He, makes, he makes us all. Yes. It's like Indiana Jones and Marion are like, don't look at it, don't look at it. And we are like, oh my God, are we going to, are our heads going to blow up and melt too? No, because we have the safety. Again, wow. talk about being in good hands with a director. Like, yeah. we know it's okay. You know, we want to see it. We're scared to see it. We know it's okay, obviously. But it is like, but it's wrong. We shouldn't be watching it. Yeah. If you keep your eyes open, you <laughs> will see something yeah. abominable. You will see an abomination. You will see something right. horrible that you cannot unsee. Mm-hmm. That's a, I never, ever thought of it that and way. And our punishment right, is seeing like their yes. faces melt and explode oh and like God. seeing the You're effect so of God. it. Oh, that, right. That really scarred me as a kid for years. Marion, don't look at it. Shut your eyes, Marion. Don't look at it no matter what happens. You were talking about cheering scenes, like scenes that people cheered at. It was funny when I watched it last night when my son got sucked back into it. And because I was was saying the lines along with it, but one of my favorite parts is always like, I found him. Where? There! And he's climbing up (gasps) the submarine. And my son actually said, can we rewind that and watch that again? He was like, I was so excited. And you know who that, and it must have been, oh no, it was a couple of years later. That actor, I'm looking at him, and I'm going, not Katana, not the captain, but the guy who goes, there. I'm going, why do I know him? I'm like, oh, Chocolate Moose from Top Secret. Oh, my God. I don't, I, don't, I don't remember. Which came out, which I saw as a double feature. It's only relevant because I saw Top Secret I and, you say, and like, the Temple of Doom as a double feature. I thought you were going to say, like, and that that was Denzel Washington or something. Because... <laughs> No, because Kate and I were watching it last night. And again, that's another scene that when I was younger, oh it didn't God. particularly resonate in this, uh, like some of the other scenes, you know. But yeah. last night I found it so rousing and, and moving. Oh, and Kate was yeah. like, yeah. that actor is great. And he salutes them. She said, oh, yeah. yes, the yeah, saluting. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. very moving. It was so exciting. It was yeah. like actually a peak moment for me. In a, in a way that it had never been before. And and mm-hmm. it was, and Kate was like, the way that actor says, there. And like, she's oh, like, he's best. fantastic. You can't find Mr. Jones, got him. I've looked everywhere. He's got to be here somewhere. Look again. I found him. Where? There. Karen Allen, how fantastic is she? She's so good outstanding I lo- like her walking around first of all the fact that she starts off in a drinking contest then like walking through the streets of Cairo spitting out dates like she's just she's a badass she's, she's, oh my she's God. of that ilk of you know Princess Leia um, Margot Kidder uh, Margot too. Kidder mm-hmm. from the, Superman the Superman spunky, 2 uh, and this brunette. one you know that 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 and and uh, and also uh, uh, Stockard Channing. You know there mm-hmm. there was there was a group of of women at this time. Anne Archer is in there for me. Mm-hmm. You know that that are just these they're real firebrands, yeah. um, and they are not the damsel in distress. They're being no. being being um, you know sort of pulled along. They try that's, to do that a little bit with Clash of the Titans in one moment. Mm-hmm. They try to make her. I'm going with you, kind of girl, but that mm-hmm. gets abandoned. But you know the, 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 it was that. 
she was really truly um, she, she brought a, a different level of excitement the same yeah. way Carrie Fisher did in the That's, same way it was Margaret funny because when we were watching the scene in the tent my son last night was like oh is Belloc trying to get her drunk and I'm like no she's trying to get him drunk mm-hmm. because she's she's taking control of the situation and it works I've already told you everything I know I have no loyalty to Jones he's brought me nothing but trouble You are beautiful. I don't think you need a chaperone. All right, the phone lines are lighting up here. I do have to take this one no, call. Please I do, do have to take this one call. Fred, this is Mr. Todd. You, you lied to your friends. <laughs> You, you are, you are nefarious. <laughs> why, why did you do that? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> no, go ahead, please. No, I, answer him, Fred. Answer <laughs> the Nazi. <laughs> I. <laughs> to be fair, Ronald Lacey. Um, oh, thank you for that. Yeah, you like yeah. that? The, 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 correction, the late Ronald Lacey. Oh. The, the late Ronald Lacey. He was, how friggin' freaky was he? In He's still on the line. Sorry, sir. Still oh, sorry, you're still on the line. line. I'm so sorry, sir. I'm oh, so God, sorry. I'm so I sorry. I have, to, I have to go. Oh, he left. He left the line. That's He left the line. <laughs> and, well, he was upset with, with that. what you... He was upset what you did to your friend. You, you upset him. I'm sorry I lied about seeing all these movies. Yeah, that's okay. I apologize. Uh, Tote forgives you. <laughs> was he named Tote because he would tote his, his coat, coat, coat around on his... I think that's what it was. Because he looked like a goddamn toad. Because he was a no, Nazi it was toad. T O H T. I thought it was toad. That's how it was I thought it was T O A D. T O H T. I swear to God. T-O-H-T. <laughs> this movie's 40 years old. I only, I always thought his name was Toad. Because he no. looks like a, a little Now you're thinking of an X Men movie. Oh, that's See? fantastic. That's no. <laughs> Arnold Ernst Toad. That's his name. Oh, gosh. Fantastic. Wow. Well, I'm glad he called in. I'm really see, glad he I, called in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's it for us. Next uh, next week, we'll be back with... Uh, uh, we're, we're jumping forward to later in the 80s, uh, specifically June 23rd, 1989, a very, very big weekend in the history of movies. Uh, it saw the release of Tim Burton's Batman, starring Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. And it was also the opening weekend of one of Rick Moranis's last big films. We were talking about him last week and how much we, uh, we all love and admire him. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, a great example of counter-programming that worked out very well for Disney in 1989. So, yeah, next week, Batman and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And now, uh, as we say goodbye, Dan... I can guess what you probably have for us, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're going to do the Clash of the Titans theme. Dan, release that cracking, baby. I will. I will. And this will be a first watch for Batman for you, right? Yeah, for me, absolutely. Yeah. I've never yeah. seen. It. I've never seen it before. 
<laughs> I thought the character's name was Toad all this time, too. No, I just realized he's Batman. Toad Man. Oh, uh, wait, before before you start, yes. remember okay. uh, Spotify, iTunes. Oh, that's yes. right. We're also on openingweekendpodcast.com. Yeah. And we're on the Instagram. And we are on the, uh, the various uh, and sundry platforms that you can find on your Commodore 64. We're on iTunes. Take That's the important thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See if you can guess what. I'll do a medley again, but you guess what this one is. Okay. <laughs> huh? What was uh, it? The Inquisition. The Inquisition just can't refuse. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. I did like when the Busby Berkeley part, because it reminded me of uh, Caddyshack. All right. Uh, what's the other movie? Oh, here we go. Oh my gosh now talk about an applause you, moment that come on. my god that is i thought you were gonna have a stroke there no that was your finest hour i think <laughs> that was amazing. you really you really clutched that from the jaws of despair <laughs> my chest hurt why does my chest hurt after doing that why is my left arm tingling <laughs> well oh. find out next week everyone <laughs> ah. The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa with help from Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening.